Hi, I'm Dan Wilton, the CEO of First Mining Gold. First Mining Gold is a developer of gold projects with an outstanding portfolio of development projects uh, and all of our projects in Canada, including the Spring Pole Project, which is one of the largest undeveloped gold projects in the country um, with uh, a total resource, uh, gold equivalent resource um, in excess of 4 million ounces and uh, moving that project through environmental assessment and permitting work. And a portfolio of projects that are being advanced by a number of our partners that are having some great exploration uh, success and uh, really give us a real strategic runway and funding. Very well funded with uh, in excess of $50 million of cash and marketable securities on the balance sheet. And uh, very excited to be moving our projects forward. Dan, 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 where have you been? I'm seeing you since January. Are you well? <laughs> We've been busy. We are, we're well, so thank you for that. Uh, no, we've been we've been very busy. I think, as you've seen by a number of the things that we've managed to get done, um, you know, including uh, getting our pre-feasibility study out, which was the last thing that we talked about uh, on Springpole, showing that you know, with uh, just shy of a billion dollar NPV at sixteen hundred dollar gold, uh, we announced our uh, our deal with um, uh, Big Ridge Gold on Hope Brook. So another one of those projects in our partnership portfolio, uh, which is really kind of giving us lots of extended runway here. And we're excited to have them spending $20 million on the project uh, to earn into an 80% interest. Um, yeah, and we've been doing a lot of uh, a lot of work at Springpole, a big um, metallurgical drill campaign uh, over the course of the winter. And uh, until very recently, um, we're moving forward with a very active field campaign. We've uh, we've actually in the last week had to demobilize our camp because of a forest fire, which is disconcerting. Wow. But so far, everything's fine on that front. And thank you very much to the the good folks of the uh, of the MNRF in Ontario uh, and the firefighters who are doing a really good job of looking after our camp. Absolutely! Wow, that sounds terrifying. Yeah, that sounds yeah. Terrifying. No, it was uh, everything's it was okay. Pretty harrowing. Everything's everything's fine. You know, we we made the choice to uh, to demobilize the camp on on uh, Saturday, and that all happened, you know, within a couple of hours. So take some real comfort that you know, listen, it's a project in a in a not that remote but remote area, and so we've always had forced fire evacuation protocols, and it's always uh, somewhat encouraging to know that these things work. So we were able to get people out from the time they made the call. We had people uh, out within a couple of hours. So oh, it's interesting because interesting, you, you have all those protocols and systems in place. But one CEO said to me the other day, you should have uh, mining companies running the whole uh, vaccination program protocol because you you got to have it nailed down in writing just in case. Um, okay, well, I'm glad everyone's well, first of all. Okay. Um, and there's a few things you hit upon there, and I want to kind of get into those. I want to get into the outliers. I do want to see what you, you're doing at Springpole. But I got to talk about Treasury Metals distribution of shares and warrants. That's the thing on everyone's lips at the moment. So you just announced a plan of arrangement for that. What can you tell us? Yeah, so listen, that's been a year in the making, right? We announced the treasury, uh, the the treasury acquisition of Goldlund in uh, June of last year. It closed in August, and we'd committed at that time to get our shareholding down below twenty percent uh, within a year. And so this was a way that when you go back to how Keith Newmeyer and why Keith Newmeyer set up First Mining back in 2015, 2016, this this was always the strategy. 
you buy assets cheap, you develop them along a path, the surface value, and then you find other partners who are really going to take them to the next level. And then you distribute some of that value back. So we propose that out to our shareholders for distributing uh, 23 and a bit million shares and uh, 11.6 million warrants uh, out directly to our shareholders on a pro rata basis. That was approved at our AGM uh, last week. And so that distribution is going out on two shareholders of record on the 14th of July. Um, they will receive the distribution on the 15th of July. So that's uh, one mere week away. So as a very large first mining shareholder, uh, I'm pretty excited about this, that I'm going to get an even bigger treasury metal shareholding. I'm actually, I'm a director of treasury. So I participated in the last couple of equity financings that they've done. But uh, no, this is, I think it provides a great opportunity for our shareholders because you know, right now, call that distribution value three, three and a half cents. That's at a at a ninety cent Treasury metal share price. If you think about what that value is with Treasury at kind of where the analyst targets have it, that's you know we're we're talking about ten cents a share. That gets to be a pretty meaningful chunk of the value in your in your first mining. So no, I'm I'm excited to get those shares and hold on to them. Yeah, essentially, we've interviewed them recently, actually, a couple, a couple of times now. Um, yeah, those guys, like you'll know, I don't know what I'm telling you, but just for anyone who don't don't know the story, but they are a team of mind builders. They haven't come here to promote it. They haven't come here to develop it. They've come here to get this thing into production. So that that's what you're buying into. So um, you can't give advice. You can't make recommendations. <laughs> but for your current shareholders, what's your expectation of them? Are they going to dump this? Is it going to become a, a problem for Treasury Metals? Are they dumping this stock into the market? Uh, what effect would that have? Or do you think that they're going to they see the value and should hold on to it? Listen, I, with all the discussions we've been having with our shareholders, um, I think a lot of our shareholders are very excited to become shareholders of Treasury. And this is nothing new, right? We've had a lot of time. You know, our, our, our shareholders always love Goldlund. You know, we had great exploration success there. And Treasury's in the middle of a 60,000 meter drill program and put out some results last week, like fantastic drill results just outside of, of the open pit that they had in the, uh, in the um, PEA that they put out. So really additive ounces. And you're going to find more of that as they do more of that extension drilling at Goldlund. Um, similar kind of situation at Goliath. So we think that, you know, it's going to continue to evolve very well from the drill bit. Um, but no, I, I think uh, it's just got such a clear path for people who don't, you know, haven't spent that much time looking at the story. This is far and away the easiest mine to build probably in the world, right? You are a nine iron off the Trans-Canada Highway. You've got rail, natural gas, you know, 230 kV power line, you're, the distance you're going to connect to the power line there is like 200 meters, right? The infrastructure, it literally does not get any better than this if you're building a mine in Canada and, or, or anywhere else for that matter. Right beside the town of Dryden, you know, 10,000 people who a real resource industry, lots of skilled trades. So, yeah, I, I think it's amazing. And what I what I don't think and it's funny you, you mentioned um, uh, Jeremy and the team, he's put together a fantastic team and that's continued to build out over the last few months as well. Um, but you're right. They're not 
they're promoting the story. And I think one of the things that doesn't get enough airtime is just what the exploration potential is. This property is 60 meters of, or 60 kilometers of strike length along a really underexplored uh, section of this Wabagoon Greenstone Belt. And, uh, you know, we had great success at Goldlund exploring over like a couple of those kilometers. We stepped out 10 kilometers where we found some outcrop and they've now delineated, you know, a 150-ish thousand ounce resource at Miller. There are those and bigger to find all the way along this exploration, all along this, this 60 kilometer strike. It's enormous potential that, you know, if, uh, if it was an Osisco project, they'd have, you know, a million meter drill program and they would find out what's there. Um, it it kind of, it needs that kind of spend, but you know, as a, a company developing that project, you're not going to raise all the money to explore that right now. You wait till you get into production. But I think the, uh, I think the, the runway for treasury is very, very exciting. Well, yeah, it, I think it is too. I mean, we, we like them actually. It's a story we, we absolutely like. We've, we've told our members that, you know, it's a good company and I think there's some, there's a win there. But the problem they have is if you allocate these shares and these warrants and your shareholders don't see or believe that value and this stock is dumped into market, I think there's a concern from them no matter how good the team is, no matter how, how good the asset is, no matter what the upside is, that's going to cause them a few problems. Yeah. And listen, am I going to say that no first mining shareholders are going to sell? No. Um, but I think what you're going to find uh, is that there is there are a lot of people waiting for this disaster to come, right? A lot of people who don't really know and understand the first mining shareholder base, and how passionate they are and, you know, how much they trade and how much they buy. I think if you just have a look at what's happened with our volumes in the last month as leading up to this distribution, there are a lot of people buying shares because they believe the treasury is going to, you know, much higher values and they want to get exposure to that through owning first mining. So, um, I think we're going to see a point here where um, people are going to be surprised at uh, what that reaction is going to be for uh, it, when the first mining shareholders kind of get a taste and then decide they like it and potentially start buying more. And when that happens, when this, when this distribution isn't a disaster, and I don't think it'll be a disaster, I think it could go the other way. Because the other thing is you've got, I think, a lot of investors sitting waiting for this to happen and they're going to wait for this distribution and think they can pick it up cheap. And the moment that they realize that they can't, I think you're going to see this trending up towards its fundamental value. I think, you know, this has been perceived as a bit of an overhang, but I'm, uh, I'm cautiously optimistic that the first mining shareholder base um, you know, is going to uh, uh, maybe net buyers, not net sellers. And when that happens, I mean, Treasury, one of the one of the challenges Treasury has is not much liquidity. Right. So what, what a lot of people don't understand is we are about to gift Treasury metals, uh, you know, 25 or 30,000 deep shareholder base. Lots of retail shareholders who wake up every day and trade the stock. Like, look at our, we have great volume, right, for, for first mining. 
um, have routinely traded, you know, uh, over the last number of months, you know, a couple of million shares a day, uh, you know, 800,000, a million dollars a day. Um, you get some of that shareholder base now vested and interested in Treasury. And I think that increase in liquidity takes away another impediment that a lot of people have to owning the stock. Okay. So yeah, I'm 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 very curious to see what's going to happen. Everyone I can't, is. you know, say with certainty that you're going to see uh, you're going to see some rally. But I think I think you have every possibility of seeing a rally here. Okay. Well, like I hope your shareholders give um, Treasury Metals a chance to kind of breathe and actually prove up what they're what they're capable of. But let's talk about some of the um, and some of the outliers first, because I do want to talk about um, what's going on at Spring Pole. But um, if we look at the what's happening with Oteco and, and Pickle Crow, what's the update? Uh, so Oteco actually just announced uh, last week some great. Further, great drill results. They made a new discovery of what looks like some more bulk tonnage mineralization to the just to the north and a little bit east of the of the uh, Pickle Crow main infrastructure area. Listen, they've completed forty five thousand meter drill program. Still, some good results coming to come from there. I think there's twenty eight holes that we're still waiting on uh, on results from. Um, but they've uh, announced moving right into another fifty thousand meter drill program. So some of that infill, some of that continuing to look at the extensions and the regional prospect. Um, they've done a great job of finding a lot of new veins there in an old camp, which is you know the same thing that 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 team did so well at Bellevue in uh, in Australia. Um, and what's going to be interesting, I think, over the next year, two things. I think they're going to need to start looking at the value of that infrastructure. Figuring out the, you know, um, can you dewater the shaft? Are you going to start looking at uh, at drilling from underground? Um, so that's number one. Number two, I think they're going to with the, with a resource update coming out. They're going to be putting out a jork resource, I think, in the in the not too distant future. Um, I think that sets an underpinning for maybe starting to understand some other economics at Pickle Grove, which I think people will look at and understand. Again. Amazing infrastructure. There's a small mill there today, but you know this is a mining camp that's been operating since the 30s. So, um, just a great place to build a mine. So they, they've been great partners. Uh, I expect they're going to be through their 10 million dollar earn-in spend to earn into that 70 percent. They then um, owe us another million dollars, and with another three, they can buy up to 80 percent. And I think that's kind of where we where we uh, where we sit. Where first mining is then uh, free carried through to a construction decision to build a mine uh, after a feasibility study and once they have financing in place. So I think we're in a great spot to be able to um, see a techo continue to surface value through the drill bit. Okay, they seem to be coming at it hard, which is which is obviously good news. Um, yeah, and, and, and meaningfully meaningfully advancing that project. Um, Big Rich. Big Ridge and Hope Brook. So yeah, we announced that uh, in April. Big Ridge is committing to spend twenty million dollars to earn into an eighty percent interest in uh, in Hope Brook. You know, uh, Hope Brook's a great project. Um, we spent a lot of time looking at how can we potentially move it forward ourselves, and I think we came to the to the point where um, it really does need some focus. It needs more exploration, I think, than we could commit there, given 
I think what we wanted to do uh, in in more detailed exploration around spring pole, and we'll talk about that in a minute, because that's, I think, really going to fundamentally change the perspective of spring pole and highlight that we're really talking about a district here, um, not just, you know, an isolated deposit, which has always kind of been the knock on it. But no, Big Ridge is committed to spend $20 million to earn into 80%. Again, we're carried through to a, to a feasibility study. Um, we uh, own uh, a little bit less than 20% of the company. Um, after the 20 million, we'll still own 20% of the project. And we got a good royalty over the, over the property as well, which kind of leads to, you know, we've now got this royalty coming on Hope Brook. We've got a royalty on Pickle Crow. We've got a royalty on Goldland. And as we've been working down the rest of the portfolio projects that, you know, we're kind of in the cupboard when uh, when I started here, projects, greenfield exploration projects that we weren't going to spend money on because, you know, I think it's all better spent on advancing and de-risking uh, our more advanced projects. We've now created a portfolio of, I think, 20 royalties, um, which no one really pays much attention to. But those royalties, if you benchmark them against some independent royalty companies, you know, I think those royalties could be worth 50 to 100 million dollars. Yeah, no, so, so it's literally one of the questions here, which is on the royalty thing, because we, I mean, we briefly touched on it last time, but it's a much ignored part of the story here, because there, there are a lot of moving parts, and people are so focused on not just Springpole, but this portfolio, uh, partnership portfolio approach that you've got. Yeah. And that, that's what, let me ask you that question first before we, we'll come back yeah. to royalties, I promise, because I just don't want to forget okay. my train of thought, <laughs> uh, which is when you're trying to put together a, a, a partnership, for your portfolios with a company, you've got to be really selective because some companies aren't able, they get cash constraints. So you can partner with someone, they get cash constraint or they don't get the market excited. They can't do the number of meters of drilling that you would like to see. So, I mean, I mean, how, how many meters are your partners actually drilling this year? Because you're, it seems a lot. Uh, you know, when you, when you add it up, it starts getting to be a pretty, significant number. That's one of the things we're so excited about. And and again, it sort of circles back to the, the royalty value. Yeah. I'd ask you where you find a, a royalty portfolio where your partners are drilling, I think it's 120,000 meters, like right. 60,000 meters at treasury, both extension and infill. Uh, Pickle Crows just, uh, uh, Teco's just announced another 50. So call that 110. Big Ridge I'll be surprised if they don't end up at uh, at twenty ish over the next twelve months, and maybe more than that. They've just completed a financing. They've um, uh, forced the exercise of some warrants, so they're sitting very well funded, right? Ten million cash in the bank, and that's one of the things that's really, really worked for this partnership perspective for us and that partnership portfolio. Is we found the partners who have the ability to get people excited to you know get the focus on these projects that we will never be able to get people to focus on as investors because they sit buried underneath you know uh, a big resource and a billion dollar NPV at Springpool and they get buried even behind some of our other the other projects we're, we're actively moving forward Cameron for example where we're you know, we've consolidated the land package. We're looking at resources and, and aiming to get uh, a couple of drills turning there over the course of the next year. Um, it just, it's, you know, it, it really, finding those right partners who have the access to capital, ability to get people excited, 
surfaces way more value in our stock than you know than we would be able to do with these products. Well, well exactly. So I guess I guess that's the what I'm trying to understand is like so there's two ways that that's important to you about how much they spend on drilling. One to advance it through this these study. Um, phases, which obviously, you know, that's where people can get a sense of, you know, benchmarking and, you know, timelines and economics and that, that helps in terms of, you know, your whatever, whatever percentage of the company that you are carried on or whenever you have to start contributing, you know, what, you know, whether you're going to be able to do that, raise the money for that. Um, but secondly, it does come back to the, the royalty component, which is obviously there. It, you got to get into production. Right, that's yeah. right. But you, you get a certain type of valuation as a, whether it be a royalty company or royalties in a company um, as they as they drill, because you get a better sense of the, the the proximity to production, and that's that's the key here. So, it, given you've got twenty royalties, are we spinning the royalties out at any point? Are you going to ask someone else to manage those for you, or do you think it's fine? We're kind of getting value within within the company as it is. Uh, we're certainly not getting value within the company. I think we get zero value for a So, um, you know, we think about what's the right timing to give people exposure to those. You know, again, these royalties are, are um, one of those assets that going back to when Keith set the company up, that was, it was always kind of contemplated that the shareholders would get direct exposure to royalty interests as you found partners to, to move the projects on. So um, the timing is the one thing that I think is pretty interesting. And, and that's because our partners are spending so much money. There's so much more news to come out on these royalties as they transition. And you hit the nail on the head, Matt, as these royalties transition from ounce in the ground valuations to an NPV valuation, because I now have a, an estimated start date. I have a, you know, a, an estimated an NPV and a potential construction timeline that really fundamentally changes the value of the royalties, irrespective of them getting in production, just having that, having that pathway and the game plan laid out is really important. So yeah, I think that uh, I, I think it it sets us up very well to continue to have those discussions over the course of the next year, um, and find that right way to give the shareholders exposure to to the world. Right. So you're thinking about it, but you're not quite sure the route to go down, and you're not in a rush because no one's in production anytime soon. But there is timing. You're right. Timing's everything, right? So you look at the number of oh. new royalty companies that are popping up. Left, right, and center at the moment, especially in the precious metal space, especially in North America, Indeed. it's uh, it's definitely on people's minds. So you you you've thought about it and discussed it and said we don't need to take advantage of that yet. It's always going to be there. Is that the mentality? I I, I think uh, finding the right time that our our shareholders are going to see the most value for those might be let the royalties themselves mature a little bit more. So, yeah, and there's, listen, there are two or three very obvious paths that we could go down. You, you know, you float the royalty company yourself, you find someone else to acquire the royalty portfolio from you. And I think all of those are options that we can go down. It is an incredibly competitive space right now, as I'm sure you know, by virtue of all of the new royalty companies who have popped up and you know what they're looking for? They're looking for portfolios like ours, right? When you benchmark you know, million ounce resources being advanced with people doing drilling on them in Canada. Like it's a pretty rare uh, set of opportunities that we have for those core royalties. So yeah, I think there's lots, 
lots of different ways that this can play out. And we're, you know, we'll continue to advance those thoughts. And oh, the most important thing is that our shareholders are going to get exposure to that one way or another. But you're in control of that process. That, that's yes, right. 100%. Okay. okay. Yeah. Let's look at Spring Pole. What's going on? You've got a few quid in the bank. Are you spending it? Yeah. Yeah. You know, we're still sitting today about 35 of cash and another, you know, call it 15 of marketable securities, um, depending on how we qualify our marketable securities. Plus that strategic investment portfolio, the partnership portfolio, which is more than $100 million of value. And I think, you know, and I think going up every day. So um, we're we're very well placed to be able to um, uh, to continue to get Springpole towards some really critical value milestones. So put out the pre-feasibility study earlier this year. I think that was the last time we spoke, but that was you know NPV just shy of a billion dollars at a sixteen hundred dollar cold price. Um, you know two point four year payback on average in excess of three hundred thousand ounces a year production, like. This is one of the most uh, lowest uh, lowest quartile all-in sustaining costs. Like this is one of the most robust development projects in the world in the gold sector of its size and scale. So very excited about that. Um, real focus of this year is getting the environmental assessment document uh, draft, environmental assessment document compiled, uh, and ultimately getting that submitted after we've had a chance to. Uh, really review that um, and incorporate the comments from uh, our local and indigenous community. So that's a really important part of the process for us. Uh, there's still some data collection that we need to do, particularly around, uh, around things like traditional knowledge and traditional land use uh, from our indigenous communities. But the baseline environmental data uh, is all there. It's very publicly available and you can find your way through on our website to our environmental assessment portal um, where that information is there. And so taking a very transparent uh, approach to this, which I think is the only way that that truly works and ultimately, um, you know, working with our partners um, to understand, um, you know, what are any sensitivities that they may have in the development process and we move that forward. So we're anticipating having that draft environmental assessment kind of ready for submission end of this year, early next. And then that starts, um, you know, with, with that submission, that starts pretty firm timelines um, around uh, the environmental assessment process. And that should run 18 to 24 months. And I think the more time we spend up front, uh, in dialogue and real consultation with our communities, I think it's going to set us up for, you know, a much more efficient and streamlined process as we go through the EA process. So the, the other thing that's going on this year, lots of um, the sort of post pre-feasibility, pre-feasibility, feasibility work being done on just on, on some other trade-offs and optimizations around uh, tailings, around metallurgy, metallurgical process, not big changes, but just understanding, I think, some potential to maybe increase recoveries a bit through using a couple of different, testing a couple of different types of flotation technologies, uh, looking at the leach parameters, you know, potentially looking at you know, some grinding cost and size trade-offs and things like that. So, um, it's a very important year of work that's going on, um, but I think that sets us up to basically kick off the feasibility study. You run the fees. The last thing you ever want to do is do a deep dive on 
a bunch of different scenarios. So I think we kind of lock down the scenario that gets submitted for the environmental assessment and then run the feasibility on that. And we're in very good shape. You know, the PFS was a, was a very well done document and a very well done study. So I think that is a platform to move forward. We're, we're very confident we can put together a, a very strong feasibility in a, in a, you know, in a pretty reasonable period of time, but it all kind of comes together then in 2023, uh, feasibility study, environmental assessment approvals, and uh, and off you go. Okay, and, and have you any reason to believe that the locals would be against your project? I mean, are you getting any pushback um, now? No, no, no. You know, we're not we're not getting pushback. Um, our indigenous communities are. You know, we're engaged right now. Engagement has been and consultation has been difficult over the last year in COVID. And a lot of that is because your traditional methods of engagement are flying into the communities and giving presentations and answering questions. So there's only so much of that you can kind of move online. But we've now got our communities are um, uh, are getting organized. We've got an environmental committee that's been struck uh, and is, you know, the, the environmental committees in the process of, of retaining technical advisors. Um, from our from our three main shared territory protocol nations, which would be Cat Lake, Slate Falls, and Lac Sol. So it's all it's all kind of getting organized for the big push. And it's important that they know that we are committed to making sure they have uh, the resources and capacity to get through that process on the terms that they want to get through it. So we're getting all of that kind of organized now. And I think that leaves us in in very good stead. As I as I keep saying to our team. Um, the more time every month we invest upfront in getting um, alignment on going through that process is going to save you, you know, three to six months on the back end of having to try and, you know, negotiate an environmental assessment as you go through it. So, yeah, it's just important to make sure that we're moving forward with a project that everyone's aligned. And you've got someone specifically employed to do that job because that's important. It's oh, it's very important. So you know the the real leadership of our environmental assessment and our community relations. Uh, we brought in Steve Lines in uh, in December, and Steve has now brought across um, much of his team. Uh, they spent the last six and a half years permitting the Hard Rock project in Ontario. So basically, taking it from a scoping study to construction permits. So it's Hard Rock's probably the most comparable project to Springpole in terms of size, scope, complexity. I think it's a 30,000 ton per day plant. Um, all the same regulators, more or less, uh, that Steve's been through this process with. Um, and yeah, no, we've, we've, got a, we've got a great team that's, that's focused there and still always looking to, to add people to that commitment. And because I think it is, it is a something that takes a, a lot of resource commitment to get right. But, you know, it's one of the benefits of, of uh, actually, you know, having the funding and balance sheet that we do is I think we can very credibly move this project through the EA process. Brilliant. Okay. So well, that's, that, I was about to say that that's, there's a, there's, a, there's a lot to take in there and there's still a few projects like Cameron we haven't yet discussed. And maybe, maybe that's, we should, we should uh, maybe do a deep dive on some of the, the actual assets next time you um, come on. Yeah, but, for sure. But what's a big message for shareholders, which I'm hearing from you is not valued for royalties, getting zero credit for that. 
do you think you're getting any credit for um, for Pickle Crow and and uh, Hope Gold at the moment? Not really. You know, Pickle Crow a little bit, but I don't I don't think people really understand the value of that 20% carry project interest, right? And and it's given that it's kind of a techos only project, the math is pretty straightforward. And we we lay it out in our investor presentation to kind of show you know, um, what, what all the sum of the parts works out to, to the stuff that you can kind of point to and touch and feel. So, you know, and again, Big Ridge, this is, they have a few other Greenfields exploration projects, but Hope Brook is their main focus. So you can kind of get, get that math reasonably, reasonably clear. And what it leaves you at is that Springpole, in spite of all of that, is still trading at a valuation of, you know, 0.1 times its net asset value, maybe where the comparables are trading at 0.5 to 0.7 times. Um, so, you know, in the spring pool is trading at 20 bucks an ounce. The advanced developers trade at, you know, 80 bucks an ounce and get bought at 100 to 150 bucks an ounce. So we have some real runway. Listen, it's a lot of hard work between here and there, but I think there's no, the investment thesis is pretty straightforward. If you do your homework and believe that this project's, you know, going to get built, and we do, um, and not even get built, you just believe it's going to get permitted, which, you know, we, we do, then that gives you kind of a line of sight on a share price that's, you know, 3x where we are now. And if the gold price cooperates uh, and we're in a, in a robust environment going forward, and we could do a whole other segment on what's going on in the gold price, because I think there's lots of room there. Um, but I think that gives, you know, some real leverage. And then the third part, which we didn't have a chance to talk about, but I'll just, I'll just mention it now is that at Springpool, you know, we're gearing up to actually do the first regional exploration, uh, at Springpool since we've owned it. And it is sitting as a, you know, 5 million ounce equivalent deposit on the edge of a massive greenstone belt that's really starting to get a lot of attention. Um, uh, very much like Red Lake and a lot of the same rocks as you're seeing Great Bear have great success in, which just haven't been recognized before. There's all kinds of those rocks up this Bertucci Greenstone Belt. And so we've been adding to our mineral tenure there, looking at some of the in really interesting regional structures. And I think we'll continue to do that where we can, but you know, we're, we're aiming to uh, drill test five targets on our existing spring pool land tenure now to show that that 5 million ounces is the starting point at spring pool, not the end point, right? This is, this is going to get bigger. And this is a bona fide district. Like we're going to have six companies with drill programs within 50 kilometers of spring pool this year. So lots of exploration success to come.